0: Good morning everybody, like my lovely wife said, and that is my lovely wife, my name is Gino Allison, yeah, that's what saying woo about, Uh, my name is Gino Allison, I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome you all to the South Suburban Vineyard Church, special welcome to anybody who might be visiting with us for the very first time, so good to have you here with us in the house of God. And also a special welcome to anybody who might be listening to us through our website or through our podcast. You're also welcome to come and worship with us here on Sunday morning. Well, before I begin the message, I just want to say thank you. Uh, many of you, if you're, if you're regular around here, you know for the last couple of weeks we've collected what we call a holiday offering. Uh, it's just an opportunity for us to be a blessing to those in our community, both in this church and outside of this church, that might be uh, have falling on hard times and might little, little, need a little bit of help this holiday season. So we raised just under three thousand dollars for the holiday offering. And one of the perks of my job is I get to ride around like Santa Claus <laughs> and deliver these packages and just hear people just express. Uh, how God has really heard, heard, heard an answer to prayer and met needs through so what we see as a small gift. It's like really an answer to prayer to many people. And we've heard a couple of stories of how uh, this is really a blessing to them. So all of you who've given, and even those of you who wanted to give but didn't have it, this is really one of the ways that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And as always, when we collect this offering and distribute it, I want to say thank you to all of you. Who have uh, faithfully given. I also want to mention that coming up in just a couple of weeks is our 30-day fast. Uh, if you're regular around here, this is no you're no stranger to our 30-day fast. It's just a re- we have rhythm of spiritual disciplines here in this church. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with fasting, fasting is simply a way for us to pull away from things that compete with God for our attention and affection. There are things that we we look around at the end of the year and go, man, this thing has really taken up more space in my life than it deserves. Maybe it's food, maybe it's an attachment to social media, maybe it's a particular relationship, maybe it's watching television or some form of media. You just say, you know what, I need to pull back from this so that I can more easily hear what God has for me in this season. So we've got a rhythm of this a couple times uh, throughout the year. And I don't know uh, about you guys, but I think that the year coming up, at least for us as a church, is going to be pretty big. Some of you, a couple weeks ago, you heard me say that we're making plans to purchase this building in the new year. And there are many, many things that we need to hear from God. I just need my life to be as quiet as possible so that we might hear, receive, and respond to what the Lord is saying. And so the more we do that collectively as a church more we fall into that rhythm of listening to God, I think the better off we'll be. And so that starts on January 2nd. We usually start on the 1st, but we'll give you an opportunity to celebrate your holiday. And on the 2nd, like we get down to business and we spend the next 30 days trying to figure out what God is saying to us. And so we say this so early so that you can just begin to prepare your hearts and ask the Lord, but what is it that you're calling me to peel away from? What do you want to reduce or eliminate in my life so that I might hear you better? And so over the next few weeks, you'll be able to discern that so that we can start strong on January 2nd. Amen? Amen. Well, it's Christmas Eve. uh, And if you weren't aware of that, the snow this morning, some of you were excited about the snow. uh, And if you're like me, you weren't particularly excited about the snow, particularly because you have to eventually shovel the snow. Uh, But it is a good reminder that Christmas time is here. And as I drove here in the slick snow and I saw the light dusting of snow frost the trees, I couldn't help but think about how how meaningful Christmas was to me, especially as a young boy, you know. Uh, Our family, like Christmas was really important and even though we didn't have much, my dad always made sure that we had some presents. My mom was a really good cook and she would cook the ham and, and the dressing. We didn't have stuff and we had dressing and and fried chicken and sweet potato pies. I'm getting, I'm getting all warm just thinking about it. Uh, but I have fond memories of Christmas. People come by the house, get together with family, exchange gifts. It was just a really really special time. And around this time of year, I really get excited about it. And I realize as I look back on it, and even as I just observe the world around me, that there's something really really special about Christmas time. The world, especially uh, west, the Western world, particularly those of us in America, the world just stops right after Thanksgiving, and it it seems to point its full attention, shift its full focus to Christmas. There's nothing, there's nothing else like it, and so I've just discovered that we have this unique opportunity, since the world is already looking at Christmas, or at least (laughs) its version of Christmas. Uh, I've discovered that many, many people are focusing on uh, things that are Christmassy, but not the real, the real like object of this Christmas season. I've lost count of the number of times that I've heard somebody say, as they point to some act or some Christmassy thing and say, "This is what Christmas is really all about." And I think to myself, no. "Nope, nope." Or somebody will say, well, this is what Christmas means to me. You know, I just gave the homeless man some change, and I just bought this really big gift for my kids. They're going to love it. Man, this is what Christmas is really about. And the preacher of me goes, no, not quite. i got plenty of opportunities to just kind of redirect. And I realize that everybody that says that is not my job to school somebody in, the, you know, in Walmart, uh, but it is my job here and in the sphere where I have influence and with my kids, to constantly be bringing them back, constantly be bringing them back, keep the main thing the main thing. This holiday season is about Jesus Christ. And it's really hard not to get tugged in all these different directions and to over-focus on the presents and to over-focus on decorations and over-focus on family. As hard as that is, it's our job to bring it back to the main thing and that is that Christ has come. The king has come, and he brought with him his kingdom, and the reality of Jesus coming to earth should change everything. It should change everything. And because of that reality, we've just been talking over the last couple of weeks. uh, We've been in the midst of a sermon series that I will conclude today, a series that we're simply calling All I Need for Christmas. Not All I Want for Christmas, But all I need for Christmas. We've said that need is an interesting word. It's very different from our wants. Uh, Our needs focus on the things that we have to have if we're going to live this life to the fullest, if we're going to live this life in the way that God intended for us to live this life. And as we've unpacked this sermon series, we talked about contentment, needing that quiet, peaceful satisfaction, regardless of the circumstances of our life. We've talked about our need for contentment if we're going to live this life to the fullest. We've talked about the need for our future, right? For God to speak to us about our future. And that future gives way to what Pastor David talked about last week, this real hope, right? This confident assurance that God has something for us to do. And these, those three subjects have just hinted at the real thing that we need. I'm going to conclude this uh, sermon series today by uh, with a message that I'm simply calling, Give Us Jesus. Give us Jesus. We talked about contentment. Can't have contentment, real contentment without having Jesus. We talked about having some security in our future. Can't have real security in our future unless we have Jesus. Can't have real hope, deep and abiding hope, without the person and work of Jesus. And so as you make your request, as you get excited about what's under the tree, you just look toward the heavens and say, God, if you, put anything, if you don't put anything under the tree for me, give me Jesus. Give me an understanding of who Jesus is. Give me a deep abiding faith in him. Let me know him more deeply. Let me walk with him more nearly. Give us Jesus. But I want to issue a word of caution for those of you who feel led to ask that request, to make that request. Be careful what you ask for, because Jesus is like the ultimate disruption. Uh, We think of Jesus as like this tiny little quiet sleeping baby, Just, just this tiny little baby he isn't making any noise. And if you heard the song Away in the Mage, you're like, oh, the baby's sleeping, no crying he makes. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, they know Jesus was a real human baby, right? And these babies are cute when they're sleeping, you want to pinch their chicks, but the reality of a baby coming into your life is an ultimate disruption. It's more like this second picture, the picture on the right. Right? They're cute, they're lovable. But they are a disruption. They dramatically change your life. You know a baby is in your house if a baby is in your house for any length of time. And not only does the baby cry when it's young, but they grow and they require more of your attention, more of your affection, more of your resource. They get bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is a really good picture of what Jesus comes into our lives to do. Lots of great things, lots of good things, cute, wonderful things. But Jesus is like a real disruption, like in the best possible way. And so if you're like me, you don't like disruptions. I'm a planner. I like things to go as planned. And disruptions really make me angry. And so I've had to get used to the reality that when Jesus comes knocking on the door of my life, that he is a wonderful disruption. And some of you really wrestle with this because you say that you've accepted Jesus into your heart, but really nothing has changed. You don't spend money any differently. Your relationships are no differently. your, Your stewardship is the same. And I'm here to tell you today that if you're really asking Jesus to come into your life, if you really want the gift of Jesus, not just here in the holiday season, but in general, as you walk this life out, be prepared for a major, major disruption. Give us Jesus. This morning, I want to look at a passage of scripture in Luke chapter one. It's a familiar story. It is Mary's story. Mary, the mother of Jesus. And the story in Luke chapter one simply tells us just how Mary came to be the mother of Jesus. It's a fascinating story. And it's a story that I believe that we can glean some things from, particularly as we ask, give us Jesus. The story paints a picture of how this Jesus, when it comes into our life, is a holy disruption, a magnificent disruption that if we radically welcome it, as we should, it changes everything in a really awesome way. Give us Jesus. Looking at Luke chapter 1, there are Bibles on the edges of your row. Feel free to use those and follow along if you like. We'll also be projecting it on the screens. You can feel free also to follow in your tablets or your phones. Luke chapter 1, we'll start at verse 26. While you find that, let me pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord, that we know uh, what this season is all about. Father, would you help us today as we're tugged in every direction to keep the main thing the main thing. Lord, when we ask you today earnestly to give us yourself, give us Jesus. Father, may we prepare our hearts, adequately prepare our hearts for what that really means. May we receive and respond to your son as the kingdom breaks into our life. Put power on these words that you've given me to speak this morning. Move the preacher out of the way this morning so that your truth and your light might shine through. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Luke chapter 1, give us Jesus this morning, and we're looking at Mary's story. We're going to start at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. A couple of weeks ago we talked about Elizabeth and Zechariah, the parents of John the Baptist, the one who's going to prepare the way for Jesus In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. He sent them to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favorite woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true and then the angel left her. So this is a fascinating story. It's also a very familiar story. And as, as always, when we come to the Christmas story, as always, when we come to stories that are familiar to us in Scripture, we can have a tendency to say, I've heard this before. I've been hearing this story since I was a baby. And we check out, right? And so what I always urge us to do is to engage the living word because there's something new every time You look at this passage. And so don't lean back today. Lean forward because God has something for you in this familiar text. This is Mary's story. Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Mary, like many of us, are just minding our own business. We're not bothering anybody. And then Jesus comes crashing into our life. Uninvited, unannounced, minding our own business. And then Jesus shows up. And if Mary's story teaches us anything, it's this. And that's when the king and his kingdom comes crashing into your life, you will never be the same. At least you shouldn't. When the king and his kingdom come crashing into your life, you will never be the same. And I think that Mary's story is a perfect picture of what it practically looks like for the king and his kingdom to come crashing into one's life. If you follow Mary's story... There's beauty in this story. There's, there's purpose in this story, but there's also a good deal of awkwardness in this story. There's a good measure of what we call clunkiness in this story. There's a great deal of inconvenience involved when Jesus comes crashing into your life. There's twists and turns in the story, ones that they probably didn't budget for, it's not smooth it's not clean it's not how you would prefer it like it's it's kind of clunky but this is a perfect picture of what it looks like when Jesus comes into your life and I say that just as a word of caution you say give me Jesus and you say Jesus come into my life say Jesus like I'm interruptible I'm disruptible like be careful because it might not go as you'd wished So we ask, give us Jesus, and I think in asking that, we must prepare ourselves in three specific ways as we look at this particular text for Jesus. Now, this doesn't matter today if you are just kicking the tires of faith, you're just checking it out, whether or not you're a new believer or you're a seasoned, mature believer, like all of this applies to everybody, no matter what stage and place you are on the spectrum. Of faith, three things that we need to do in order to prepare ourselves to fully take in this Jesus as he comes crashing into our life. The first thing is that we should be prepared to change our plans. We should be prepared to change our plans. And my wife will tell you, I am not one that likes to change plans, particularly on the fly. I don't like disruptions. Planned it this way. I want it to happen this way unless I change the plans, right? But with Jesus, you got to be prepared to scrap your plans. You got to be prepared to change your plans. I was talking this week uh, with Phil Strout, and some of you know Phil Strout is the national director of the, the Association of Vineyard Churches. We're not just uh, the only Vineyard Church, like there's 600 Vineyard Churches that we're connected to in the United States some 1,200 other congregations around the world. And I was talking to our national director this week, and it came up in the conversation. just as hey, what's your secret to just riding these waves of what God is doing, the flowing in and out of the S-curves of how, you know, the movement goes and how your life goes? He's like, "What, what is the secret? And Phil said to me, the secret is to have a holy indifference to life. And that was interesting to me because when I think about indifference, I just think about a person not caring right? I think about somebody being careless. I think about a person having an attitude and not being involved in what they're supposed to be involved in and not caring enough. But this type of indifference that he was talking about is just holding loosely to what you're doing, holding loosely to your plans, holding loosely to what you had hoped. And there's a real tension in between like being involved in your life, being involved in your relationships being involved in stewarding your resources well and caring to a healthy degree, there's a real tension involved between that and like having this holy indifference where like you're interruptible and like God could say, okay, that's enough of that. That's enough of that relationship. I know you are grown attached, but I'm moving this person out of your life. I know you've grown attached to that measure of resource or that particular place or that particular person or that particular thing. But like a holy indifference just says, hey, if God moves me on from this, I might grieve a little bit. But like, not my will, but yours be done. A holy indifference readies you. It prepares you to be agile and nimble uh, because the Lord is often like shifting things in our life. This points to this readiness to change your plans, this readiness to, to deviate. Uh, if God tells you to deviate. Throughout all of Scripture, we see examples of God showing up in people's lives and challenging them to the degree to, to see whether or not they will shift their plans. Many of us heard the story of the rich young man in Scripture. Came to Jesus, said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I'm zealous, I'm a good guy, let's go do it. Jesus says, Cool, let's go and do it, but first go sell your stuff. He's a rich guy, and and scripture says he goes away sad, unwilling to go with Jesus because he wasn't willing to shift that part of his life. On the other side of the coin, we see Jesus coming up to the disciples, the shoreline, they're fishing, they're doing what they do, they're deep into their craft, how they make money. Their livelihood, and Jesus says, Come and follow me. And the scripture says, Immediately they drop their nets and follow him. Perfect picture of what it looks like to be willing to change your plans, to be agile. And here we find Mary, minding her own business, doing her own thing. And it seems like her life was headed down a certain path, certain trajectory, keeping her head down, minding her own business. The scriptures tell us. God sent an angel, Gabriel, to her hometown, to the village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And So Mary's this young virgin; she's engaged. And you got to understand something about young women in the first century, particularly in the Middle East. Like they didn't—they weren't sitting around like aspiring to be businesswomen. They weren't aspiring to be important people in society. That's not really how it worked. If you were a young girl in the first century Middle East, you know what your aspiration was? You know what you really wanted? You know what your culture had set your expectations for? Like a a good man finding you and you being a good wife. Now, the feminist in some of you, like, really bristles at that. Listen, I'm not making any prescriptions for today. I'm just saying, historically... This is what a young woman would aspire to. If I could just find a good man, if I could just keep a good home, like this, this is the life. These are my options, and that's my best one, right? And so Matthew chapter 1 tells us that Joseph was that kind of guy. He he was a good man. And even when he discovers that she's pregnant and, and it's not his baby, he's such a good man, Uh, With all of his options, he chooses to do something that is really noble and really kind, just put her away quietly, even though she seems to have disgraced him and stepped outside of their engagement. Joseph was a good man. Her life was on a good, smooth track, keeping her head down. Life was unfolding before her just as it should. Mary uh, was making plans. And so it's safe to say that anything that could disrupt the flow of the good things she's got going here would be generally unwelcome. Mary and Joseph, like you and I, had a certain way that we picture things as dictated by our culture, as dictated by our particular wiring. But the scripture says that we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We make our plans, but for those of us who would seek to be interruptible by God, for those of us who want the king and his King, who really want the king and his kingdom to come crashing in our lives, we can make our plans, and it's wise to make plans, but we understand that the architect of all of this is really the one who's determining our steps. It's determining our steps. And so today I ask you, because you look like the type of people who would say, give me Jesus. My question to you is, are you interruptible? Are you one who just naturally has learned uh, the rhythm of holy indifference, to live in a tension where you can deeply care about people, places, and things, but be the type of person where, like, God uh, can interrupt you and say, hey, let's change. Hey, let's move. Let's make this shift. Because, like, Jesus doesn't work in our lives without that. It doesn't work with, without that. And some of you are like that rich young man that Jesus comes up to you like you're ready to go. You like the idea of Jesus, like the, the quiet baby, no crying, he makes Jesus, that could sleep in the back room of your life and not make any noise. It doesn't soil his diaper or call out for attention or grow or, you know, try to soak up some of your resources as long as the baby stays asleep, as long as Jesus doesn't touch anything. Like, I want that Jesus. But how many of you know that that's not the Jesus we serve? Like, Jesus comes into our life like a big African lion in a small space, like he's moving furniture, he's roaring, right? He has an opinion, he has preferences that usually will override ours. And so when we say give us Jesus, we have to be prepared in some significant way to change our plans. Second thing we have to be prepared for if we sincerely ask for Jesus is we need to be prepared for more than we imagined. We need to be prepared for more than you and I imagine. And it's, it's kind of hard to prepare for things that you <laughs> didn't imagine. It's kind of hard to be ready for yourself, the things that you don't have the capacity to think of or think about. Um, but my Bible tells me that God is able and willing and prepared to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think. And that really complicates things for me because if I'm honest... I got a box, and I like God to stay in that box. Don't throw me any curveballs. Don't don't, listen. I'll give you a big box, God, so you can you have room to move around there and play. But like many of us have a box that like we can put God in—a predictable box. It's maybe a little radical, more radical than your more conservative Christian friends, and maybe you can get weird and do some Holy Spirit stuff every now and then. But it's still a box. And the more I walk with Jesus, the more I realize that God doesn't, he doesn't fit in that box. Like he doesn't like that box. He's way bigger than the box. His plans are way more than I could think of or imagine. And I'm I'm starting to settle into that reality. And I see that plainly as I look into this story. Told you that Mary had plans. She was on a trajectory. But here, the weird things start to happen. An angel shows up. Greetings, favorite woman. The Lord is with you. Now, if you're cynical, you look at this and go, hey, that sounds like he's buttering her up to, like, drop a bomb on her. Hey, favorite woman, how you doing? And then he proceeds to completely wreck her life. Mary senses something up. up. Verse 29 says, confused and disturbed, Mary tries to think what the angel could mean. God's spokesperson continues, Don't be afraid, Mary, for I have f- for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Ima- imagine like you're just doing your thing. You're just hanging out. At your kitchen counter having your morning coffee and an angel shows up to you and tells you that you're going to have this crazy miraculous conception. And oh, by the way, the baby's going to be the son of God. I'm going to change the world. No big deal. Could you, squeeze, could you squeeze that into your life that you had planned? Now you think for one second that Mary, when she was a young girl, twirling her hair, she'd imagined that she'd be the mother of God. Do you think she would imagine anything close to what the angel dropped on her at this very moment? You got to be the mother of God. You got any questions, Mary? She actually has one. Verse 34, she says, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. How can this happen? I'm a virgin. I don't have any grid for this. In fact, nobody has a grid for this because today this has never happened. This is strange. She said, like, "You have to give me a little more information. Give me a few more details. How is this going to happen?" he said, like, no, "No problem. That's a really good question." Let me continue. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby will be, to be born will be holy, and he will call the Son of God. What's more, your relative, is, Elizabeth had become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Does that make sense now to you, Mary? You're going to conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be Joseph's baby. And you can tell him that when you see him next. But it's going to be like a... a <laughs> Mary's... Right? When I look over my life and I consider the plans that I had made and how I pictured my life, I see God has done this all the time. He's done this all the time to me, right? I've got this small, manageable plan... And God like always comes and like blows it up. He, he just blows it up. And so when God comes crashing into your life, he's, he's always gonna come with something bigger than we imagined. I mentioned just earlier, and I gave the announcement a couple of weeks ago that we we're planning to, to purchase this space, and this week has just been a very busy week. We're talking with architects and we're talking with the bank and we're trying to put together giving campaigns and all this sorts of stuff, and I'm just, I'm just swimming in this. And I feel like the Lord says that our, our like theme, our focus for this year could, should just be like more than you imagined, like more than we imagined. More than we imagined. I can do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think. And when you think about that in kind of a romantic sense, it's like God is powerful. He's going to give me way more stuff than I thought he would give me. God can do more good for me than I thought he could do for me. And that's kind of just like the basic understanding of that passage. But uh, when you look deeper in that, and when you try to get real practical, real real with that, what it also means is that God is usually requiring more from me than I was imagining as well. Because usually these things aren't just raining down on us blessings and glitter and spr- sprinkles, right? No, <laughs> well, usually God is kneading these good things into the dough of our life in unexpected, surprising, awkward, inconvenient ways, calling us higher calling us to lean in when we want to recline. No, more than we imagined is broader than just like God showering us with goodness and light. God is often calling us higher than we wanted to climb, calling us to to empty out more than we wanted to empty out, calling us to risk more than we intended to risk. And so Mary is playing an active role in this. She's got to cooperate with this plan. That is far bigger than anything she'd ever imagined. Not to speak of poor Joseph. It's no wonder we have a box that we like God to stay in. It's no wonder like we, we bristle at uh, an S-curve or, or, or an unexpected turn or change in place. No wonder we bristle at that because like we like things to be manageable and we just like it to just go according to plan. No hiccups. I like to be in the driver's seat. I like to be in control. I, I re- and I really don't want to pay more than I ever budgeted for. I don't want to risk my reputation. I don't want to hear whispers about me. I want to play it safe. I want to be likable. I want to enjoy life and You know, with Jesus, it just doesn't come in that color. It just doesn't. And so for those of us who really seek to walk this out, if we say, give me Jesus, be careful, because more than you imagined, more than you ever budgeted for, your plans are going to change, right? This is Mary's story, and this is ours. Third and final thing we need to be prepared as we look at this text to receive jesus is that we should be prepared to say yes that we should be prepared to say yeah I, I told you before like none of this works unless mary's like committed to this right none of this works unless zachariah and elizabeth say okay we're going to name the kid john we're going to raise him in the way that he's supposed to be raised we're going to be keep him from the things that god says he should stay like none of this works without their cooperation right And I've preached this passage many times. Many times I've preached on this passage. And no matter what angle we take, and there's dozens of different angles, it's, it's hard not to end here with Mary's yes. And to me, it's like, this is like where this passage goes. This is, this is where it goes. All of these details, all of this inconvenience, all of this mystery, all of this. But, but it, it culminates in her saying, well, okay. God's plan can be as big and as grand as he wants them to be, the, be, but if we can't and if we won't say yes, right? God disrupts her life, lays a heavy assignment on her, puts her in an awkward position with her dream guy. And what was her reply? Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left. You know, I, I, I wish that my heart was this soft towards what God was calling me to. I know you think the preachers, I'm just sitting in my front window as God's sun's rays on me and I'm just waiting for the word of the Lord or just poised to say yes. You know, that's not the reality of my situation. Sometimes I wrestle with God. Sometimes I want to turn the music up because what he's saying to me isn't what I want to hear. Sometimes he's pushing me out into the deep or I want to stay where it's shallow and comfortable and manageable. And I would that the the, the condition of my heart was just like, right? Yes, I'm your servant. Be it unto me as you have spoken. And Mary moves like someone who's been discipled in faithfulness and obedience. She's just a young girl, and she shows remarkable maturity for someone so young, and we don't know too much about her life. We don't know about her upbringing. We don't know much about her parents, but uh, the the Scriptures tell us that she's favored, that God has chosen her, that she has been properly vetted for this uh, assignment. Mary is like a good composite sketch of a type of person that God would use to do great things. Things and everything about her story shows us that she was prepared to say yes to God. I mean, in this big, like, mega thing, this big, heavy thing that God lays on, she she seemed, like, ready. Her questions were even mature questions. Okay, tell me more. Give me some more details. And at the end of it, she says, yes, she was prepared. The question that I have for you, And a question I have for myself is, how do we get prepared for when God, like, brings some big thing and drops it on us? How do we prepare ourselves to have a yes on our lips the moment God reveals what's next for us? How do we prepare ourselves for that? Because it's an important question because some of you, you say no to God at every turn, and you think, like, when the big thing comes... You're going to be roused, and you're going to have enough, like, faith and enough obedience, enough courage to say yes for the big things. Uh, 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 but, but the way we prepare ourselves is much like weight training, much like running a race. You want to lift 500 pounds, you've got to start first lifting 5 pounds, right? And so some of you, God has in queue in the storehouse, waiting for you, just the thing that unlocks your plan and its purpose for your life, but you just haven't conditioned yourself to say yes. So how do I prepare myself to say yes to like what God has for me? The answer really is simple, and that is like to to develop a rhythm of saying yes to the little things. You say yes to the little stuff. The little lesses, yeses, develop a rhythm of obedience. It, it, it develops an instinct to say yes to the Lord. And some of us need this more than anything, and I say this with all affection, but some of you are just so stoppable. You're just so stoppable. Any and everything can, like, just keep you away from what God is doing. And that's not to knock you over the head, but that's just, just to identify what our issue is. Some of us are just so preference driven, so preference driven that it's just, you know, if you're a person in my position where you're trying to rally people to press into what God has for them, it just can be the most frustrating thing because we've just become the most preference driven people. It's just, it's interesting to watch. Now, I grew up at a time where, you know, people went to church every Sunday unless, like, somebody was dying. And if you were spirit filled, like, you wanted to go when you were dying, maybe, like, somebody pray a healing prayer over you, right? But these days, like, we just take such a casual approach to the things of God, not realizing that this is one little yes. This is like one. You wake up, you have your cinnamon roll. You go, man. You know what? I don't want to go to church today. You had a long day. Well, you know what? I don't want to go to small group today. You know what? Oh, I got this unexpected bill. I don't want to give this time. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. all these little built-in things that should be systematic in our life. Things that should be no-brainers. Little easy opportunities to develop a rhythm of yes and obedience. Culturally. As Christians, we've gotten to a place where if I make it to church twice a month, I feel pretty good about myself. I know people that don't go to church at all, and so I'm, I'm winning. If I throw a few coins in the plate, listen, hey, they seem to be doing all right. We'll miss the opportunities. to to, to say yes and to develop a rhythm of yes. So now you're in the grocery store and the Lord wants you to speak a word of life to the person who's going to go out and take their own life. But you got to get your avocados and you got to get home. And you're uninterruptible and God can't... Why? Because you have it like developed a pattern of saying yes. I look at Mary's situation here. I go, something about this young woman... And her response to this huge thing that God lays on, what did she do? How did she get to a point? And I don't want to take any liberties with this text, but something tells me that the little yeses along the way, that somebody discipled her in obedience and faithfulness in a way that is foreign to many of us, in a way that is strange to many of us, in a way that might seem overboard to some of us here. Some of us, you're here here today and your prayer for God is, God, I just feel so stagnant. I feel so stuck. I feel so bored. There's no life in my salvation. And the Lord would just point to the fact that you regularly say no to him. In small, medium, and large ways, you regularly say no to him. And the truth is, friends, that you will not, you will not, you will not live the abundant life Without saying yes to Jesus you will not live the abundant life God cannot afford to dispatch peace and hope and light and goodness in your life and into your preference driven life into your life that is void of any rhythm of saying yes to him and so some of you might ponder this morning uh, starting in small places to say yes to God, in small but systematic ways, things you know these reoccurring opportunities that you have to say yes to God. Like some of you would be more faithful as you're thinking about resolutions to make, you would just say, "You know, Lord, just help me to say yes to you," and help those yeses along the way to do develop an instinct of obedience, an instinct and a rhythm of folding in to what you have for me, such that when you bring this big whopping thing, this big whopping shift, this thing that's more than I imagined, thing that I didn't plan for or budget for, that my instinct, before I even know what happened, is to say, yes. And as Mary said, look, may it be unto me as you have spoken. I'm your servant. How many of you are just not there yet? Don't raise your hand. My suspicion is much of the room's hands would go up as we deal with the reality that we are not prepared. We're not prepared to say yes to God. So how do we put this all together on Christmas Eve? Worship team, you can come up. I would say to you, don't ask for Jesus if you're not ready. Don't say give me Jesus just because the person next to you is saying it. Scripture tells us to count up the cost. So whether or not we're going to pay what it costs to follow Jesus. And some of you have been challenged and convicted today because you're one who likes to hold to your plans, like your idea of who God is and what he's going to do in your life. And the Lord is pressing back against that today to have you hold loosely to your plans, to have you operate with that holy indifference that says lord i love this i love where i'm at but if you should have a change for me i'll roll with it i'll flow with it i feel like the gift that the lord wants to release as we worship today as we consider jesus and put him at the center of this holiday is that uh, just a reminder that, that 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 jesus is good that his plans for you are good and you hear me say that often because the reality is that if you don't understand that God's plan is good and that His plan for you and His plan for the world at large is a good plan, then we'll be over focused on the circumstances, we'll be over focused on the costs and the inconvenience of it all rather than saying, you know what? God's plan is good, it's perfect. No matter what I'm dealing with right now, or no matter what it costs me, or no matter what risk I have to take, no matter what plans I have to change, I'll say yes to you because I know that your plans for me are good and they're perfect. And so my prayer for this church is that we would say yes. Listen, we got a lot of things in this new year to say yes to, and even if you're not a part of this church today and you're just visiting, my, my guess is that in this new year, the Lord has some things that he needs you to say yes to, and that requires a conditioning of the heart that all of us need, but few will genuinely engage. And so my prayer for us is that we would all say with conviction and a readiness to respond, Give us Jesus. On this Christmas Eve, give us Jesus. And Lord, we are willing to accept all that comes with that, changing of plans, the inconvenience. We say yes to you. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your plans are good. We thank you, Lord, that the king has come and he's brought with it his kingdom. And Lord, even though that's clunky and some of that's awkward, And we don't know what to do with it half the time, Father. May we rest in your goodness. May we rest in your sovereignty, your bigness. So for those of us, Lord, who look to this new year afraid and with fear and uncertainty, Father, I pray that as we consider who you are and what you bring into the table of our life, Lord, I just pray that faith would arise, hope would arise. We get excited, Lord, about what you want to do because we've invited you into our life and we know that you are infinitely good, all-powerful, and you will do exceedingly abundantly more than we can imagine. And Lord, we accept the fact that you are calling us to more than we can imagine. And Father, we just say yes. Lord, maybe write a blank check with our lives. You say, Lord, fill in whatever the amount you want to fill in. We give you a blank, a blank check of our lives to do what you want. Because this is all about you. God, give us Jesus this morning. And as we worship you in song, may we be reminded of what this holiday is all about. May we ready our hearts, prepare our hearts to receive and respond to you. We ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen.